This is Transistor.fm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app, bootstrapping your own thing, getting to a significant amount of revenue so that you can quit your day job. And uh, this week, John is away, but I caught up with Simon Bennett of Snapshooter.io. I last spoke to him in May, I believe, uh, right when the the pandemic was kind of in full force. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to catch up, see what has happened since then. He had just quit his day job. Yeah, let's see how things have developed since then. So, Simon, the last time we chatted, I think, was seven months ago. Yes, May. Yes, just after I'd gone full-time. Or you'd just gone... Quit my job. <laughs> yeah, you'd just gone... You, you, had, like, you were going full-time the next morning. On, yeah. And you were, you're going full-time on Snapshooter. Yeah. How, how long had you been working on Snapshooter up until that point? Uh, it started in February 2017, so coming up to the four-year anniversary soon. Okay, so it it was about three years to get you to the point where you could go full-time? Yep, that's right, yep. So I took the leap a little bit earlier just due to circumstances with COVID and family and having essentially two jobs, um, but it's it seems to have paid off. <laughs> yeah, 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 so since you went full-time, mm-hmm. how's it been? Are you living the bootstrapper's dream or what? Um, I don't know what the bootstrapper's dream is, but um, <laughs> revenue has definitely increased and the and the trajectory of revenue has sort of increased uh, from when I quit, if that makes sense. It, it, there's some sort of correlation between putting more effort in and getting more reward out. Oh, interesting. Because that's not always the case. Sometimes people quit mm-hmm. and what they find is that even though they have all this extra time... <laughs> And all this extra energy, it doesn't actually move the needle that much. But for you, you feel it has. Yes. So while maybe not like, I don't know, there's a bit of lag in the revenue charts or whatever, but it, it definitely feels like it's been key. Um, had a lot more time to think from a more zoomed out perspective of the business. So I think that's that's been probably the best thing about it. Yeah. And can you give us a sense of like how are your how you're doing revenue wise? Um I like I've doubled revenue this year. You've doubled revenue in 2020. Yes, yep, yep. Monthly recurring revenue has doubled, yeah. Wow. So so pretty successful year for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and, and and you're just saying most of that growth happened once you decided to uh, go full time. Um, y- yes. So I decided to go full time slightly earlier than I did. And I started putting a lot more time into the business before um, I actually pulled the trigger to go full time. So from that point, I can see um, the revenue growth. It may have led me to mm-hmm. go full-time earlier because that's a very stressful thing to do, which is do a full job all day and then get straight back on the computer after sort of the wife's gone to bed and grind again and then get up at five in the morning and grind again. Yeah. And I think we talked a bit about this last time, but that is, I, I think it's especially more difficult for me now to really feel that mm-hmm. even though I felt it back then but now that you know transistor is doing well and we're mm-hmm. comfortable you kind of forget about what that's like of you know working a full day job and trying to make money you know the old way yes and then every night you get home and it's like okay well you know and and interspersed in there I think especially for those of us with families is the you know it's hard on your relationships it's hard on your personal life when you're yeah i don't hear anyone really talking about this in the bootstrapping space it's just all about them and the business never sort of them the business and the family yeah like do you think you 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 think that that part gets ignored a bit 
Maybe, maybe they're not in the same circumstances, but yeah, it has, you know, it, it wasn't a, a positive thing for a married couple <laughs> during those times. So, um, yeah, yeah, I find that too. I found that too. The my ambition was to build an online business, and and we had the other disadvantage of in our in my early twenties, I had these two snowboard shops that ended up closing and losing a lot of money. Yeah. And so we had this, this old, uh, trauma from the past, mm -hmm. which was like, Oh, last time you did this, Justin, it didn't turn out so good. Are you sure? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, but even, even, you know, what I like, just even waking up early on, a. Saturday morning to get a couple hours work in, or I would always stay up late on Friday nights to write my weekly newsletter. Mm -hmm. Even stuff like that I found really did uh, negatively affect, yeah, my marriage. And just, it's just hard. You're just, you've got way more on your mind. You're way more exhausted uh, emotionally mm -hmm. and just with your energy. So yeah, I think you're right. I think people should talk about that part more. Yeah. It's like the hidden secret. I, I can't, it cannot be just us two. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's just us. Which, and I'm kind of conflicted about it because on one hand, it's hard to know if I could have done it any other way. Mm -hmm. Like, there had to be the sacrifice and... But on the flip side of that sacrifice was, like, it's one thing to sacrifice things personally, just as an individual, but when it's affecting your family, yeah, um, and there's a real cost there, yeah, it's hard to know, because I don't know if I could have, it's kind of like going through the burning ring of fire, right? It's like, you, you, it, it it's necessary, but there is a cost to it. I, I don't know how to reconcile that yet. No, I think I'm, I'm lucky. My wife has been very supportive with the whole thing. She was very clear that the, the risk, the jump to full time was going to happen once the business had proven itself. I wasn't going to go down the route of building up savings and then <laughs> jumping into building a product. That, that scares yeah. me when I hear people do that. And she is very good at sort of you know, accepting that maybe I do want to go off and work on the business sometimes, uh, or you know, a lot of the time as it was, um, and also letting me know when it was too much. And so, but I don't know yeah. exactly how accurate that was. So I'm sure there's been quite a lot of sacrifice there. I try to make sure that. Yeah, let's get her on the never... microphone right now. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I guess I say the, the thing I said, I never did it when the children were more awake. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it is there. It's good to talk about it because there is a cost that doesn't get talked about. And even if you're doing it when the kids are sleeping or you're waking up super early. Um, and to be honest, even now, like I'm just, and maybe this is just a, a characteristic of mine that I can't turn off, but I'm just always thinking. Yes. And it's difficult, it's difficult to, like, I'm terrible during vacations and holidays and stuff. I just, I don't know what to do with myself. It's, it's like, I just can't stop thinking. And if there's not a pressing business thing to think about, mm -hmm. then I get myself involved in some Twitter drama just to, <laughs> you know, to be engaged. I was going to say, my, I think my best thinking time is a Saturday morning when both the children are eating their cereal, watching their tablets, wife's having a lay-in, and I'm just sat yeah. having a cup of tea. And like, for some reason, that's like top quality business thinking time. <laughs> it really shouldn't be, but that's, that's when yeah. I should definitely have a notepad in front of me. <laughs> Well, and, and it makes sense because sometimes just relaxing even a bit, mm. like letting your brain just kind of cycle down even just a bit gives you that space to, it's like it, as soon as I go snowboarding and as soon as I hit the chairlift, mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden I'm having tons and tons of ideas and thoughts and, um, 
you know, like I write so many potential tweets and blog posts and stuff <laughs> when I'm on the chairlift. I'm just like thinking about stuff. And hate that, yeah, I just I, want to like race back to the computer and start, uh, start implementing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And maybe it's good to sometimes have those moments of downtime. Well, we know it's good to have moments of downtime where you let ideas simmer for mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes. Uh, and you can't act on them right away. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, just going back to that idea of there being a cost mm-hmm. to that, like, um, actually this would be a good question for you. How, how well have you been sleeping? Um, I have always slept really well. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, so that, you haven't I mean, had trouble like staying been, up at night thinking no, about the business. There's been times when things have gone slightly wrong in the business, like you know, third party providers have gone down, or there's issues with that, and that's been very stressful and hard to, you know, possibly sleep. Um, but generally, I've always been pretty good at sleeping. <laughs> um, yeah. So I can't help well, in I that mean, regard, that, unfortunately. Yeah, you're 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 built for this. Because that's often the thing that people notice when they start mm-hmm. a business is that all of a sudden they used to be great sleepers, yeah. um, but now it's like they can't get to sleep because they're up thinking about the business. Mm-hmm. And it just, it will fill all of your cycles, like any available cycles you have uh, during the day or sometimes at night. It That's part of the cost, I think is when you're an employee, it's just a lot easier to unplug and yeah. be like, okay, well, that's the boss's problem. I'm not going to worry about it. So I think I've actually but, got a bit better on this in the last couple of months. Because after I went full-time, I continued to slam from morning till dusk <laughs> any available mm. time on the business. Because th- yeah. the revenue wasn't where it needed to be. So like there was there was still stress associated with that and sort of as you get nearer to that sort of double number, things have been getting more relaxed and I have just been allowing myself to go out in the garage and work on my car and give myself like the permission not to think about the business. And I can actually go out there and come back and have not thought about the business once. And it's, it's, oh, it's that's nice. Great. It's, you've, you've got a good outlet for that. I've, I've noticed you <laughs> posting photos of that old car. It's like an old Austin mini or something. It is. Yes. Yeah, it's not that old. I guess it's, uh, it's 27 years old, the car. So, uh, okay. It's, it's not, I wish I had a sixties one, but they're really, really expensive. <laughs> so yeah, got a more recent one and yeah, it needs completely rebuilding. So that's my project now for the next two to three years, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do, do you think partly like hitting that, that five figure revenue number per month is that what allows you to relax a little bit uh yes i guess i could be slightly more comfortable with that because obviously there's still expenses and i'm still not as well off as i was with snapshooter and a job but mm. i don't know it's kind of like a bit of permission to just zone out <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's one thing i think even when um, Transistor started paying me, I think, $5,000 a month, which wasn't enough to pay for all of my family's expenses. But at that moment, I relaxed a lot. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it in your I, podcast. <laughs> when you yes, go through the yeah. timeline, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah a lot of people the said exact that. Point when you... <laughs> yeah, a lot of people said that they could hear it in my voice. And even my dad, he came and visited and said, man, I haven't you haven't seen this relaxed in a while. I would start like spending more time at the coffee shop, more mm-hmm. time going for walks. It just didn't feel like I needed to hustle. Yeah. And I think the hustle is actually, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this because there's this weird uh, tension where, you know, certainly sometimes and in certain businesses, hustling more, delivers, like accelerates your growth. But in my experience, um, a lot of our growth is, is, uh, disconnected from the effort we put in. You know what I mean? Like the, the market actually carries, has carried a lot of our growth. Mm. Um, 
but at the same time, it is connected. It, it's it's tricky. It's, to, it's like a lagging thing as well. You can see the, the kind of yeah. Like even though I feel like my personal brand and my Twitter presence and my blog <laughs> and my newsletter doesn't actually provide that much of transistors growth. At the same time, I'm like, ah, but I can't like give it up because I I know that it contributes something and I'm not entirely sure what chunk that gives. And so it's kind of like, you know, the old advertising. Because it's like actually getting good attribution towards what you're doing. And then you listen to WP Engine with the talk about how he's puts 10 grand into advertising and he gets 15 grand back. And you're like, I have not got that anywhere. Like there's no chuck money in. It's so, you know, it is... And just hoping I'm chipping away at the right things and pushing the needle forward in the right ways. And yeah. to measure that and to know whether what is like the right amount to put in. So for example, yeah. a customer today invited me to a Facebook group that they're in for a whole yeah. bunch of like WordPress hosts. And I have a quick search through and the guy's been promoting me for the last six months. And like, how, like that's totally, until he mentioned that to me today, there's no way you could put any attribution on where these customers yeah. are coming from and why suddenly I've got an influx of these people. And mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you measure that? And how do you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what my point is. It's just, it's very loose in terms of. Yes, but this is why I, I love surfing as a metaphor for entrepreneurship because so much of it is just being in the water. Yes. It's like, well, how come you caught that wave or how come you noticed that thing or how come you got invited to that surf spot? In this case, you got invited to that Facebook group. And it's like, well, I just, I'm in the water. And yeah. if, if, and this is why I also worry about <laughs> like disengaging. I don't want to disengage too much. I don't want to get too comfortable because mm-hmm. I want to be in the water. I want to be available for those opportunities where someone says, Hey, come to this Facebook group. And then I go in there and I search <laughs> and notice yeah. he's been recommending me like those. Yeah. Those are the moments. And, and I would also say like about WP engine, like it, there's very few SaaS companies that I know right now that have any sort of, um, I shouldn't say very few, but a lot of my friends who have SaaS companies do not have a advertising flywheel uh, the way that he described it in that talk. And, you know, like anecdotally, it's just, it's harder to to get those going now because AdWords are so competitive. Um, there's a lot of well-funded, either venture-backed startups or enterprise companies who are willing to spend tons and tons of money and so it's just harder for bootstrapped companies to kind of play in that field and, yeah, invest ten thousand and get fifteen thousand back. Yes, yeah. I mean, I don't have the cash flow. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you found it's still worth experimenting because if you found, you know, a way of like one thing I'm experimenting with right now is giving. Uh, I'm going to give away ten free microphones to people who sign up for any annual plan. Mm-hmm. So even though the, like our starter annual plan is only 190 and in some cases, depending on like if I'm shipping these to Canadians or <laughs> Europeans, yep. it costs me like 120 bucks to, you know, buy it and ship it to them. Mm-hmm. But I have this sense that it's an interesting experiment because it might, I'm, we're still making profit on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we pay our affiliates 25% of revenue ongoing. And so this might be a way of maybe like when you give customers something, LTV increases by two or three times. Well, <laughs> yes. if that's true, then that it's worth making that investment, you know, even though it's like, I don't know how we do it at scale, but it's an interesting experiment because if it does end up being a flywheel where we can see, Oh, everybody in this cohort, their, their, uh, LTV is two or three times higher then this is worth doing. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, are you going to brand the and microphone? <laughs> I, w I wish I could. <laughs> I have even thought about like, oh, I wonder if I should just get these manufactured. But that's a that would be uh, sound tech and audio like uh, that. Yeah, I think not that'd your be business, difficult. yeah. <laughs> Amazon has one. Amazon has an Amazon Basics microphone that they sell. Yeah, uh, but I'm not quite at that scale. No, no, no. <laughs> this is an interesting idea. I wonder what I could send out to people other than mugs. <laughs> T-shirts. Yeah, and I mean, stuff. I mean, even <laughs> mugs though is a worthwhile experiment. There is this this um, psychological phenomena, mm -hmm. which is when people, when you give somebody a gift, they are just more endeared oh. to you, yes. right? Well, are you a and, favor back? <laughs> yeah, they feel like they owe you a favor back. I think this is out of um, the Persuasion book, right? I, I have you read that yet? No, I have not. No. It's a good read, uh, Influence, the, psych the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Um, yeah, worth, it's worth reading it. Okay. But, yeah, it, uh, I think even, I, I mean, this is why companies s send out swag. This is yes. why um, even, you know, like this coffee shop I go to, the owner has instructed his staff to welcome me by name every time I come in. It's like a big, like, hey, it's Justin, he's here. And <laughs> they are completely manipulating me emotionally, yes. right? Like, who doesn't like going to the local pub and having yes. the, the bartender know your name and already know your drink and for you to be kind of treated as a big deal? How bad would you feel if they spotted you going into a neighboring coffee shop? <laughs> cheating cheating on them. <laughs> they do actually, because I... I I'm all, I, sometimes I go to other places and they've, I've been caught for sure. But I mean, I, I've spent so much money there that they, oh. they know where my allegiance is. <laughs> um, so I think bootstrappers especially can leverage that. Like you can uh, build a relationship and a rapport with each of your customers. You can give them uh, additional help. You can... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, when you're sending them emails, you can include uh, lines that let them know that you know who they are and that you appreciate their business and that they are a VIP in your world, right? And I, yeah, I think those those folks, just like you said, like it's very unlikely that I'm going to switch coffee shops because there's just so much built up, uh, not just goodwill, but loyalty and you know. loyalty like yeah. i just i it, even if they were being malicious which they're not but <laughs> even if they were being malicious it would be hard to switch because human beings are just primed for that kind of we want acceptance and connection and to feel significant and, next and question so is, do you wait until the coffee shop is full before you go in so everyone knows how well <laughs> i actually appreciate it uh, I mean, I do like that too. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm not going to go it's, in if it's empty. It's, it's pointless. <laughs> but but and there's a there's a SaaS equivalent to this, which is when you use your channels to highlight customers, when you do mm -hmm. case studies on them, yeah, when you retweet them, when you like all of that stuff makes people feel special and um, is one way I think bootstrappers can care for customers. Has there been a particular channel? And I realize you probably don't want to say too much, but particular channel or um, you know way that people are finding you? It's primarily through search, but word of mouth has actually become. I started doing sort of a little survey when people um, join using Refiner, and I can't recommend their product enough because it's so easy to set up. Um, and asking sort of like an onboarding survey and like the number of people who say word of mouth is crazy. <laughs> mm, interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's like, maybe I need to work on a way of sort of making that easier to, to, to promote. But... Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon, transistor.fm slash Justin. You'll get 15% off your first year of podcast hosting. Uh, that yeah, would, that is a significant channel, along with sort of the other pretty common ones. <laughs> Interesting. You know, one way we're using Rewardful, so mm -hmm. Rewardful 
uh, manages all of our affiliate campaigns. But I also got them to set up a 0% affiliate campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were using that is um, to track other kinds of invites. So there's some of our customers that don't want to become affiliates, but I say, hey, you know, like use this code when you re- mm. refer us and every month I'm going to choose a winner and send them a prize. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you and others could do something like that, which is, you know, gen- you can even have them sign up under a 0% campaign or use their API and automatically generate yeah, I didn't actually have much luck with the like the pure affiliate program. I um, didn't really bring many people in, and the people it did bring in were kind of people who were setting up businesses anyway. <laughs> so mm, uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I think to encourage your customers yeah. to refer you, that might be uh, yes, uh, another way of using something like that, giving them a referral link they can use, and that would certainly allow you to. Like then you would see, whoa, this one guy is, mm-hmm. I'm, we're getting tons of referrals from him. And then you reach out and he's like, oh yeah, I have a Facebook group. And and I think sometimes like just recognizing that, especially if your product is good, people want to share it. And I think people do want the uh, acknowledgement. Like, yeah, I'm sharing you on social yeah, media. Like, it goes, not, yeah. yeah, I think it... Helps them feel good, exactly. Spread a bit of goodwill, you know. Yeah. And the the ability to, you know, say you can do things like contests or prizes or giveaways mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. Um, and it that that may or may not incentivize people. A lot of folks will just share it regardless. But um I think having a line like, hey, here's a referral link, be sure to use it so we can thank you is a fine line that a lot of people would probably use. I'll write that down, but I'll listen to this later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording. I might use that exact line, actually. Yeah. Do you feel like you are now in the comfortable stage of your SaaS, or do you feel like now you've just kind of hit what you were making when you were employed? Um, like, I'm... I, it seems like people get to a number where they get very comfortable. Are, do you feel like you're there or you're approaching it or that's the next goal? Um, more comfortable. Uh, in an analogy form, I would describe myself as no longer sprinting and sort of bedding in for the long marathon. Got it. Of, yeah, that's where I would see myself. So I know there's still uh, a hell of a lot of work to sort of churn out. I'm really mm-hmm. that's sort of especially with like the Christmas coming up soon. So like this week for me is a bit of a sort of wrap it up week because uh, the school's closed at the end of the week and I'm sort of really just my mind is on next year already. Yeah. And just what the plan is there, getting things in place, getting I mean, I don't have any meetings I've got like up for the beginning of January already. Um but yeah, it feels like next year we'll be getting a good pace going and just continually yeah. 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 So you're 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 feeling like next year is gonna be uh well, yeah, I hope to double again. That's the <laughs> Yeah, that's the hope. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. That's... I mean, it's hard talking about money because so many people are in a different um mm-hmm. stage of life, right? Mm-hmm. And um but one thing I have thought about is you know, for a long time I was just trying to create a business that was just allowing me to survive, like Mm-hmm. It pays my family's bills, but like I'm not paying off any debt. I'm not saving any money. I'm not investing anything. I'm just like, this is just enough to pay our family's bills. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming you feel like you're there now pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it could be better in terms of sort of uh, investing in the pension, which I stopped doing when I went full time and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm planning to sort of spend on um sort of services and consultants in areas that are going to help grow the business and potentially delaying the saving just a little bit longer yeah <laughs> the goal of end of 2021 would definitely be to be reinstating and um sort of making up the loss um but yes um in terms of 
sort of finance is still tight and um i'm just i guess it's difficult in terms of knowing whether investing a little more now is going to reap a better reward or whether i should just you know start saving or i don't know yeah yeah no i i can completely identify with that it's it's that building stage is so tricky like going from zero to one isn't very difficult like no product to something that at least some people want is Mm -hmm. difficult in of itself but then like going from one to two which is like actually getting some form of traction where this thing gets up to 10k mrr or whatever that's like the next step for most folks and then beyond that in most economies in the world, whether you're single or you have a family, like beyond that, that's where it's like, okay, like this thing is pretty much working, but it's still not quite better than having a job. It, it, it is in one sense, yeah. like, yes, when I was only making $5,000 a month from Transistor, I was happier. I had more free time. I was, you know... uh you know, I take days off and go snowboarding. Like I had the freedom Mm -hmm. part and the lifestyle part, which is important. But my debate online with some people lately has been like, it can't just be the lifestyle part. Like you can't just like be treading water financially and then be like, okay, I'm good. Now I'm just going to go, you know, live on the beach and have a great life because to, to have kind of a, a long lasting life lifestyle change, you need the Mm -hmm. money. You need financial yes. margin and it can't be enough to just be like scraping by or the way I, I, I described treading water for a lot of my entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey was like some days my head is way above water and some days I'm underwater. And that feeling of just being like, whoa, like <laughs> this month I made 20 grand. It's amazing. But then like three months later, it's like, oh, crap, you know. I didn't make any money this month. This is a disaster. Like I, I don't, f- and all through that, I had a pretty good lifestyle in the sense that I could, mm-hmm. you know, again, go snowboarding or go to the beach or whatever. But it wasn't until there was really sustainable revenue and good margins, like enough margin for me to. Yeah. I was going to say definitely margin. Yeah. I mean, if you just imagine going up and down every month, you'd rather make sure that the dips weren't going. Under yeah. Yes. <laughs> to yeah. To get yourself sort of nicely. Yeah. That's where I am at the moment where we don't have margins. I'm, I, you know, I've, you know, I've come to accept and I'm comfortable at the moment with that, but you know, long term, that's not a sort of sustainable thing to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yes, I could take a five year sacrifice of doing that, but you know, Otherwise, you know, you should have stayed in a job where they were paying your pension contributions and, you know, you're sorted in life. Because at the moment now, if I was to retire, <laughs> I have nothing. I mean, obviously, I have assets in a business, but um, yeah, I guess that's what you end up with at this stage is you only have the asset of the business. You haven't been able to liquidate anything. So, yeah, I mean, and that is the advantage is that I mean, it's mm-hmm. not true in all cases. Some people own things that are worthless, but when you're an employee, you don't really have any ownership. And no. um, so this at least allows you to build something. Uh, and when you're a consultant or a freelancer, you don't really have ownership. You don't have a, a saleable asset, really. But with software, at least in this, at least right now, in our context right now, there are there's somebody that would want to buy it and whether that's you know 1.5 times annual recurring revenue or 2.5 or 10 times or whatever um we had a competitor that was purchased i'm pretty sure for 14 times annual recurring 14 revenue times. yeah wow. you get those when you get a big company and they're buying for all sorts of other reasons including signaling including just like you know, like it's a big radio company and they need to get into the podcast market. And so it's like, okay, well, we got to make this move and, 
Yeah, they'll pay. I guess it depends what their actual monthly recurring revenue was for her, mm. how how much of a jackpot that was for them. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and are they and, still around after that acquisition, or has it all dissolved away in many of these? Uh, it'll be interesting actually to see what happens. Uh, my guess is that yeah, I don't I don't know if if they'll get they'll continue to be run. Like the corporate finance and corporate acquisition finance does not make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> but some of these no, companies are so big that they can they can, you know, roll the dice and go, well, twenty-eight, mm-hmm. twenty-eight million. Like as an acquisition, twenty-eight million is not that much to them, which blows yeah. my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting with the founders of that and how they're, you know, whether it's uh, they've got some whether they just got straight cash or there's like an earnout because you know all the dynamics of whether the company just ends up disappearing after one year. Yeah. No, no one gets their earnouts and. Yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> interesting space. It, it's totally, totally interesting. <laughs> did they make you an offer? This is what I want to know. They didn't make us an offer. No, we did oh. get another offer uh, from a company that was way more. I think they were hoping to get us for you know, two times annual recurring revenue or whatever at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, no, like that doesn't make sense. And, and I'm <laughs> super glad we didn't. I mean, it, it just did not make any sense. It would have <laughs> at the time, you know, it wouldn't have been enough to, and since then, like we've, yeah, we've probably made enough cat, like, well, we haven't realized all that cash yet, but the run rate is enough that it was like, We'll make that in just in cash flow, right? Essentially, I, I had I've had two conversations with FE International in the past, um, probably in the end of 2019, uh, the beginning of 2019. I talked to them and they gave me a price, and I, I sort of undenied. And then um, unsolicited, they gave me an offer the beginning of this year. Oh, really? Uh, well, well, kind of. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. they're keen. You're on. You're in the CRM system. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, they gave me a price, and uh, I said no. But it's interesting now, looking at sort of where I am now. That would have been a terrible decision. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. if you're growing, it's almost. N- if you're growing at any kind of, I mean, especially you, you doubled MRR. So mm-hmm. it, it, think about that, like from a numbers point of view. So let's just like make the numbers really small. So let's say you were at a thousand MRR and they give, they, so that's times 12, that's 12,000, you know, annual run rate. And they say, well, we'll give you 1.5 times or even two times. So that's yeah. $24,000. They're saying, we'll, we'll buy this off you for 24,000. But then if you grow by a hundred percent and now you're at uh, $2,000 a month, you've already realized that purchase price in annual recurring revenue, right? (laughs) Right. So they they would have bought it you for 24,000, but now your annual recurring run rate is 24,000. Yeah. You sort of knock the yield numbers off, don't you? If you're growing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, if you're growing at any sort of rate, it doesn't make sense unless what they're offering you (laughs) is bigger. And I mean, FE International, I don't think they do deals that are that, that, or that many deals that are, you know, 5X revenue or higher. Like it just doesn't Mm -hmm. happen. So yeah, usually better to, to stay the course if you can. The other thing I don't like about it, Simon, is it feels like there's a little bit of praying, like not praying to God, but praying on prey, uh, you know, <laughs> praying on people who are are a little bit desperate, like bootstrappers when they're building something and you're freaking out because you're like, ah, like it's just not quite enough yet and I just really need some cash, the kids need braces, um, <laughs> that pressure, it feels like sometimes uh, that's being preyed upon by both investors and acquirers. Because, yeah, you can you can buy a business for way cheaper. Um, 
at the early stage, even if they're growing, mm-hmm. because they haven't yet hit scale where, you know, if you're at $5,000 MRR a month, it's like, ah, like I just need more money. Like, you know, the family's yes. got needs and mm-hmm. it's easy to give. Especially when that business is not completely passive and you need to be yes. in two places at the same time. And yeah. Yeah. I guess that's where something like a course works quite well for people when yeah, if you can it doesn't do require it. that. Yeah, if you can, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem with a course is that, I mean, businesses like this in general, but a course is the culmination of years of expertise and audience building and network building. And it kind of all culminates in this one sale. And you also have to correctly anticipate demand, right? Because putting in that much effort for something like that is only worth it if you get, you know, a mass of customers buying it. And I feel like with like marketing... I shouldn't shouldn't comment. I don't know the space at all. (laughs) Well, no, I think it can be like, I mean, like for Adam Wathen... releasing uh refactoring to collections ended up being a great idea because yes it made enough sales that he could then he had optionality he could kind of do what he needed mm-hmm. to do but i think it's a hard one to kind of like uh shoehorn when you're like oh i could really use some startup capital right now um there there's just... always been the thing when i thought about those offers was there was no i didn't ever have at the time, I still don't like plan B, like the the second startup that I feel is going to be better. Mm. So I have, what, what would I do with that money? Like I, d- I wouldn't have, I don't have something to directly invest it into. So yeah. Yeah. I think it would. I don't like that. I, I was very risk averse yeah. so to, uh, to go into the boat of, okay, well now I've got, you know, $200,000 to pump into this next business idea and give myself a two-year runway or a year runway like i don't don't know that's especially with no proof of idea and even now if i sold what on earth would i do with my time (laughs) yeah well i mean yeah i mean that's the i feel lost i've like sold my identity well yeah and and it would have to be enough money that it's not it's not enough money to just check out (laughs) if someone gave either of us 10 million dollars i think we would take it and we would be fine (laughs) We we yes. would we would figure out what to do, right? You'd buy you'd buy that nineteen sixties mini, you'd be working on that, you'd be, you know, around for the kids, you'd still be working on little projects, but there would be no pressure for them to succeed commercially, right? No. Uh but no. if if someone... if you're listening, I will take that ten <laughs> million pound offer. You know my email. <laughs> we just this show just has so many listeners with ten million dollars burning in their po- pocket, yes. and they're just waiting for well, the you, opportunity. You already heard it doubled this year, and it's going to double next year. That's so. true. Get in now. Get in at the ground floor, people. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm wondering what who who are your competitors? By the way, I'm I'm looking Snapshooter Alternatives. I, I'm seeing. Um, there's some other folks in the space. Mm-hmm. Are there some big, like big movers that you could steal market share away from? Is that kind of one uh, growth opportunity? I've been thinking about this. There's, ah, so I'm trying to think of the way to describe it. So some of the companies who are bigger in the backup space are very, very enterprising. Mm. Like it's, um, so in this kind of small to medium size uh business which is kind of where i'm at um I, there's not that many competitors there's one who just recently increased their prices which <laughs> sorry i was like perfect twitter opportunity yeah uh, to <laughs> do some aggressive marketing <laughs> which has worked it's worked that's definitely worked really it's, yeah i got phone calls and everything meetings and customers moved over and all sorts so it's that was that was worth it it was nice getting like a support request saying we agree and would like to have a meeting. <laughs> Perfect. Did you so, did you then write a alternative to page for that competitor? Yes. Yeah, we have an alternative to that ranks quite well when you search for competitor alternative. Perfect. So, 
Perfect. Yeah. It's it, difficult with the other people because it's it's kind of a different solution <laughs> when you go more to the enterprise. I, you, it's kind of where the it's part of the business is stair-stepping towards. So maybe in the future I'll be better in sort of battling that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a hard question. There's a lot of people who I would say uh, are taking heavy inspiration from what I'm doing at the moment. Mm, so you're you're starting to get some some uh, copycats. Yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's maybe one of the things that sort of spurred me on at the end of last year. Maybe one of the best things that ever happened. Really? The copycats? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to me about that. So, like, what happened? It just made you feel like... I'm going to show I these guys know. or I went, I was like, that, that is what kept me up at night, to be honest. And if you're listening, fuck off your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we should just cut that out. Um, <laughs> nah, um, and yes. So it was difficult. Uh, there were a few sort of, there were some bad practices. It wasn't, they didn't just set up in the same, the shop next door. They you know, perform things that were shady. So, yeah. Um, so it wasn't that sort of definitely got me angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but did you find that anger motivating? Time, uh, eventually. Yes. So okay. after, after the cool down, <laughs> yeah. it was a case of let's pick up the pace and, uh, sort of the business doesn't look the same as it did when that happened. Um, Unfortunately, it seems like he lags six months behind. So if I release something, it's then poof in the market six months later. So yeah, let's talk. Let let's talk about this because this is something that we experienced with Transistor too. So we have competitors like this too, and specifically one that came after us and has every right to be in the market, but. Uh, Definitely seemed like some things they copy from us, you know, uh, six months later or whatever. And this is just capitalism, right? Like, this is what you have to deal with. They're not stealing any intellectual property. Now, if they were like, we have another, we have another company that is just <laughs> getting into the market and their employees are continuously signing up for transistor accounts under their personal emails. And we're talking to a lawyer about that because in that case, those employees are signing user agreements. Yep. I have the same thing. This guy signs up. He tries the product. Yeah. And you're like, did you not read the terms? It's very sort of clear in there. Yeah. Not but to... You can't misrepresent yourself, basically, right? And um, anyway, so so we have to think about how we're gonna how we're going to fight this. And really... In my mind, the way to fight this is brand, is investing in brand, because that's one place where they can't, where, where we can create a, a significant moat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about stuff like that? Do you think there's opportunity for you there? This is definitely the term that's been coming up a lot with moat mm. <laughs> and trying to do. So in some um a few things have happened in, in terms of trying to strengthen that um i formed so in the new year an official partnership with a large uh hosting providers coming out so okay. that's a pretty defensible moat there the other thing is sort of some of the plans for marketing next year are a, a sort of i'm allocating an entire sort of year's worth of running against that so i feel that that's a pretty good moat that's going to stop you know then indie hackers not gonna or maybe they will but you know potentially keep up with that sort of pace of content and stuff like that is going to be hard for someone to do um mm -hmm. and yeah i am doing a lot of that's the first the first meeting next year is talking with a copywriter to sort of really get my message across because i'm <laughs> i don't feel i'm very good at it um but um and when i talk to customers like that's what they're telling me like they they saw me on there, um, and that's one of the reasons they went. So, yes, you can't copy me. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so. And to be honest, another moat, defensible moat, is the longer you last, the longer you stay alive. The the more like if it took you, 
up until now to get invited to that Facebook group and to meet all those people and to have that channel happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, those things happen with the, when time elapses, like part of just being in the water for a longer period mm-hmm. of time is, can be an advantage. There's a flip side where sometimes you get too comfortable or too, you know, whatever, but yes, the longer you last, um, uh, the more that's a moat as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm cheering yeah. for you, man. I hope you, I hope you last a long time. <laughs> well, that, that's my plan is to keep swimming. Good. So you can, you can try and catch up, but I'm not going to stop. So <laughs> there you go, folks. <laughs> um, definitely. If you need backups, go check out snapshooter.io. And if you're a customer, the, the best gift you could give Simon is a review a testimonial, a tweet, those, those kind of activities mean the world to me as an indie software developer. And so if you've used a uh, Snapshooter, go on Captera or whatever and leave a review. That You can do that today and uh, that would have a significant impact on Simon's business. Anything else people should note, Simon? Uh, we have a lot more backup offerings than the last time I was on here. So if people are interested in that, oh, yeah. uh, we've now got sort of the native WordPress backup, the Laravel backups, you know, we're adding more and more. So look at this. Uh, they, they come in as people ask. So DigitalOcean, AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Amazon LightSail, Exoscale, Hetzner. I haven't even heard of some of these. You do databases <laughs> now too. And applications, yep. Laravel, WordPress, Ghost. Wow. Ghost, yeah. Impressive. We're adding more, as people ask. So, And uh, that was a big part of this year, and the big push was to build an, an engine, a new backup engine into the core of Snapshooter that allows us to easily add new ones. So, <laughs> Well, beauty. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you very much, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. All right, let's close things out with some shout-outs to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to everyone. Take It EV Podcast, Ethan Gunderson, Diogo, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Boria Solaire, Ward Sandler, Eric Lima, James Sowers, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassy, Preduma Schembecker, Noah Prail, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Ivan Kerkovic, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Simon Bennett. Hey, Simon. And Michael Sitver, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, Dan Buddha, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Schuchert, Mike Walker, Adam Duvander, Dave Junta, and Kyle Fox from GetRewardful.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great holiday. We'll see you soon. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.